It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Better Faster podcast, trying to get back on the wagon, back into some consistency with posting. We've got a little time on our hands in case you've been sitting under the sitting under a rock lately. So, um, you know, right now we talked last time on the episode about uh, our clinic and kind of how we're doing things, what we're doing, that kind of thing. Um, But today we're going to leave a little bit. We may update a little bit on the coronavirus, Brandon, but not too much. And then uh, we're going to get in some content today. But first, man, how are you? Dude, I'm doing great. I got a haircut yesterday. Boom. Got one of them Great Depression hitters, man. I'm yeah. not, not going to tell you uh, where I got it or if they did it. But, <laughs> or if it looks any good. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm feeling good. And um, yeah, so, you know, a little update from, from last week. We've yet added a little bit more to our clinic precautions. We're all wearing masks now uh, oh, yeah. around patients, looking like busted Mortal Kombat characters. Um, oh, yeah. You know, trying to see how many times I can get say, get over here during treatment. <laughs> so it makes for a fun thing to tally. But um, so we got that going on. Uh, started training for Murph this week. Yep, training that for was Murph. Good. That was fun literally I guess. first time, first time <laughs> yeah. i've ran since murph last year so yeah uh, gotta so love that <laughs> getting back into that um feels it's good though man what we do we did uh we did half, best. we did half essentially but we wore the vest on the run best on the run mm-hmm. half the reps uh we say to build up contraction volume um, yeah yeah that's kind of how i like to do it when it comes to something like murph too if we plan on wearing a vest is like is take your time build up actual total contraction volume mm-hmm. and then kind of reduce the volume of contractions but increase the load with the vest and then build that up kind mm-hmm. of almost in a couple waves um, I think sometimes uh, you know, it, that will leave you a little bit more prepared for game day if you're going to wear a vest and do it on partition like uh, like we plan to do. Yep. And just other good news, other good news uh, COVID-related. Um, we woke up this morning um, to um, some some funds that were, were given through the CARES Act, right? Yeah. So uh, clinics um, including, or healthcare providers, including physical therapists that do fee-for-service for Medicare, um, Got a HSS, HHS uh, funding today, and, and that was a pleasant surprise. Apparently, that wasn't the CARES app, but I think everybody's been focusing on the PPP, that Paycheck right, right. Protection Plan. Um, to, you know, to this day, I don't know anybody that's actually got funds from that yet, but applications have been accepted. At least that's better than last week because I heard we're, we're getting rejected. So, you know, I think it's coming along. We just kind of have to wait and see. Uh, I think everybody is in the same boat as far as that goes. So, so that was that was very awesome to get that. And, oh, yeah. um you know, I know that there's still a lot of PTs out there that, um, you know, are getting their jobs cut and stuff like that too. But um, there are, you know, some some jobs out there, um, not PT related, um, but, you know, if you really are in, in a bad state where you're just trying to pay your rent, get food on the table, I mean, there's there's Amazons, grocery stores, Walmarts, mm-hmm. and there's people that are doing that, and you can get a ton of hours if you need to. So if you really have a need, 
those jobs are out there. You know, I think this is like some Dave Ramsey stuff, but he always talks about take care of your four walls first. So that's putting food on the table, paying your mortgage and your rent. So we've yet to see any mortgage relief. The biggest thing they're doing is forbearance. But at the end of the, that 90 days, you have to pay a lump sum. So you got to be careful with that. Um, your car, right? And your utilities. Take care mm-hmm. of those first. And then, you know, that's my recommendation as well, too. And then focus on all the other stuff. That's all I got, man. So let's uh, let's get into this episode. Yeah. Um, so clinical practice guidelines, um, really, really good piece put out by JOSBT. Uh, I was I was really impressed by this document. So it's uh, evaluation treatment of after concussion or mild TBI. And uh, man, it was just really good to see all this stuff just put into one document. Um, you know, I had a lot of take home points from this, but you know, I've been treating concussions now for almost three years. It's one of my favorite things to treat. And, you know, it's, it's, if, if you're in this world, you know, it's the wild west out there. I mean, there's just no congruency from clinician right. to clinician from, you know, physical therapy to athletic trainer about how this stuff's treated. I mean, we know that if you, you know, you played sports, you're probably mm-hmm. familiar with impact testing and, yep. you know, athletes are kind of told sometimes to, to sandbag, sandbag impact test. So, so your, so your baseline's baseline, a little lower. Right. Yeah. And then you have, then you have a concussion and you know, your actual concussed state is close to your baseline. So right. you, can easily, you can easily yeah. sandbag that. Um, man, I, MDs clearing athletes for no reason. I mean, you yeah. know, it could be like a week to two weeks out and they just go into office. You feeling okay today? Yep. All right. You're cleared to play. And right, we know that's right. not the case, man, because athletes can, can, and non-athletes can have symptoms for up to a year or longer after this. So, you know, it was really, really good to, to sort of get into this. So, um, you know, not going to, you know, go into great detail about everything, but, you know, I really liked just from the beginning how they discussed how concussions not only happen from blunt force trauma, but also the head just getting jolted around. I mean, it makes sense, right? Think about the brain getting sloshed around and hit the inside of the skull. Um, then it gets kind of into the assessment piece and, you know, talking about whenever you're evaluating these things, make sure you address everything from, you know, psychosocial, you know, the uh, affective domain, um, you know, emotions, look at your vestibular, do your cognitive assessment, um, you know, and of course, your musculoskeletal exam too. So um, really good. And that kind of takes me back to, to neuroanatomy. I don't know if you remember like the Broadman brain, it was like the brain model that yeah. has all different colors. Well, mm-hmm. so that's actually outdated. You basically take that model and you multiply it by like 30 and it doesn't make for a good piece in a textbook, but you know, that just goes to show about how complicated these things can be. So really, in my opinion, the assessment is the, the biggest piece of this. I know when I actually get a patient that comes in for a concussion, we're using that entire hour that first day just to an assessment because assessment, it takes yeah. that long, but that information is like really, really important. Otherwise oh, yeah. you're guessing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of those things too. I would, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to the the crowd. I have yet to treat a concussion in my uh, three, I guess now three full months of practice. We're into month four now. Um, so I have not had one, you know, I started after football season, so maybe that was what it is. But uh, um, so most everything I, I know of, uh, about treating concussions, uh, I have gained informally, mainly from learning it from you and asking you about this. And also you kind of put together some resources uh, for the clinic, especially after you went and attended some continuing education a couple years back for that. Um, so that's my kind of my first question to you is how much different were some of the things that were talked about in this, this update versus how you had been treating concussions the last couple of years? So I would say it wasn't a lot different. So that I think that reinforces that the, the education that I got through the American Institute of Balance was really, really good. And I was actually taught by audiologists. So people mm-hmm. outside of the PT world. Um, and, and it was really good stuff. And a lot of this was reinforced in that clinical practice guideline. But there were some things that were emphasized that that were really good to see. So, you know, talking about imaging, right? So mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we got catastrophic injury, we need to, you know, obey our, you know, KDNC spine rules. And, you know, also, you know, think about, when imaging is appropriate, CT scans to, you know, roll in, roll out of brain bleed, stuff like that yep. too. However, 
you don't, you know, depending on what the mechanism is, you know, we, we know just like MRIs for lumbar spine, they don't tell the whole story. Right? right. So, you know, you don't need to put a ton of weight into that. And, and at least that was my interpretation that I got from this clinical practice guideline. Um, a good reminder to make sure that we're looking at someone's aerobic capacity as well, whenever they come in and we can kind of dive into how we do that. And then don't neglect the musculoskeletal exam. I think a lot of things get emphasized about looking at the cognitive piece, looking at the vestibular and kind of combining those two, but man, that musculoskeletal piece can be a big component of what your symptoms are, especially if you're dealing with headaches and things like that as well too. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess just kind of, uh, going down the list, maybe of yeah, sort yeah. of how we, uh, you know, things to consider, I guess. Um, right, so right. I, I, I have our, our, our vertex, our clinic concussion pro- concussion protocol sitting in front of me. And if anybody wants this, shoot, shoot us a DM and I'll be happy to email it to you. I got, it's like a two page document on a PDF. And, um, you know, essentially, you know, what it comes down to is, you know, when, when you're assessing things, you've got to obviously do a thorough cranial nerve exam, right? Yep. And you got to dive into that eye piece a little bit more. So it's a little bit more than just looking at the cranial nerves. You got to, you know, do things like looking at cicades and looking at smooth pursuits and looking at the, the optokinetic reflex as well, too. Yep. Um, the vestibular exam, very, very common that people who have a concussion, they're going to get those rocks knocked loose in their head, right? Yep. So they're going to get BPPV. And you know, if they have that, you can usually clear that really easily mm-hmm. on the first visit. Um, but that is a really important piece too. And also, you know, a good reminder about the nystagmus that goes with that. You know, BPPV always upbeating and torsional, always fatigues out. Um, on this concussion protocol, I also have like a little bit of like a, like a reference for what the other, you know, dire- direction the stagmus do, like if they're vertical or if they're horizontal, that kind of thing. But um, right. that's definitely something to, to look at as well too. Um, but then you want to dive into that vestibular piece a little bit more and, uh, you know, look at someone's balance. I like using the GANs, um, the GANs sensory organization performance test. You know, that's one that's going to put them in different stances like your Romberg, your tandem, uh, the Fukata, you know, the, the yeah, get, get Fukata. the Fukata out of here. Yeah, that <laughs> one, uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, like I, like, I really like that. And I think it's, it's, it's thorough enough and gives you a lot of quick information to, to pick up on. So um, anything you want to add to that before we start diving into this? No, no, I, that was, that was kind of cool to see too, uh, you know, again, because most of my education, I have not taken a course on this, right? So most of what, how um, I anticipated going through a lot of this or having seen you done is just through this document that kind of you, you had put together and it's kind of been the clinic standard here. So it was kind of cool to see a lot of that validated and also the, how much they stressed, you know, a, this multi-system approach and how you have to look at all these different things. And, and, and it's a, a little bit, uh, more complex of an evaluation maybe than some people are actually going through. And if you really want to be as comprehensive as possible, you have to look at it from all these different angle, uh, angles. Um, and then, you know, one of the big things you've always stressed, uh, and I remember you stressing the first time that uh, we had somebody come in here when I was a student here, were the nutritional considerations too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, any, did you find that you need to update any of that kind of stuff uh, based on what was put into the CPG? Yeah, so there wasn't that that was something that was not um, really detailed too much in the clinical practice guideline. And I realize that's because nutrition is still kind of like a a gray area um, in the PT world. But um, yeah, I do have a, a list of some nutritional considerations on here as well, too, and different reasons for that. You know, everything from you know, vitamin D and its role with BPPV to, you know, vitamin C, uh, omega-369 being uh, neuroprotective and that kind of thing, too. Uh, and this is really cool because a couple years ago, and I went, we, had, we did a podcast on this. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, and I went to the UFC Performance Institute, I actually um, took that list with me uh, when I was there, and I showed it to uh, Andy Galpin, who is a... Um, who is a big PhD in the yep. exercise science world. And also, uh, Wes, uh, I think his name is, I think his last name is Wes Albritton. Uh, no, sorry. Wes, uh, the same Wes something. I can't remember, but he's the, the registered dietitian for the right, PI. Right, yeah. And man, they looked at it and, um, 
they they updated some things, um, you know, adding creatine to it, and um, you know, we kind of played around with some of the dosages and things like that. We're able to actually reference some articles really quickly too. And you know, I, I honestly I trust their judgment on that because oh, yeah. if you if you think about it, like pretty much 99.9% of their clientele is probably concussed all year round too. So there, that was a big yep. piece of it too. So um, definitely good to have that. So I think it's a little bit of a bonus, but, um, but yeah, man. So, so that nutrition piece is really important because you want to create a healing environment for the brain. Right, as well right. too. Um, but also, you know, the cognitive assessment is, yeah. is huge as well too. And I find myself using um, the, the MOCO, which is the Montreal cognitive assessment main reason why it's it's quick and it's free right so right. you can download that one off the internet uh, from what i understand the, the gold standard is one called the woodcock johnson but that's also a test you're going to pay at least a grand for if you want to get like right, right. 10 copies of it so you know the, the way it is now people can't afford that um the sport concussion assessment tool is scat three scat five you'll see those a lot those are good tests too but i would say you know pick one or two get some practice with it just so you can get you know fluid with it and um you know be able to get those instructions um you know consistently as you go um, but it's really interesting too, because whenever you take someone through this cognitive assessment, a lot of times, like, so that bra their brain and that concussed state is competing compete for resources. A lot of times that will actually spike their symptoms. They'll start getting headache, things like that. Also, they get more yeah. light sensitive. And honestly, like that, that, that part of the eval is a part of their treatment as well, too. So um, big, big thing there. And that's also something you'll be kind of plugging in to the treatment session, depending on, you know, what pieces they didn't perform well on as well. And something you're going to reassess frequently. That's another thing too. That's something I got from Jay, the, the clinical practice guideline too. They talk about doing a reassessment every three to four weeks. I think in an ideal situation, you're actually doing it once a week, but that's probably going to correlate with the frequency, right? So if right, I'm seeing right. a person one to two times a week, I'm probably not going to spend a whole hour assessing, right? I'm probably right, going right, to push right. that off a little bit. But if someone I got the luxury of seeing three times a week, then we might take a day to you know reassess yeah. one of those treatment sessions. Yeah. So um, I guess my next question for you is um, from a physical stand therapy standpoint uh, in treating concussions, I feel like a lot of people out there don't realize even that physical therapists do treat concussions yeah. and that we can, that we can be really effective in uh, kind of this, this world or this area. So um, what kind of things have you done thus far to try to, um, you know, you know, make these connections or to get people in the door realizing that, Hey, if I, I sustain any type of concussion or a family member does, I know that these are some guys that I can send them to. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely um, education piece. So obviously you know, you put stuff out there to the patients and their parents and that kind of thing too. But um, I just don't have a ton of luck with talking to physicians about it. Um, mm -hmm. Because honestly, I, think, I don't think many physicians, at least around my neck of the woods, pay attention to concussions that much or take it that right. seriously. So this is really good to talk to the coaches and the right. athletic trainers and the strength coaches about. Let them know that you're a resource for that too. And they tend to, you know, listen a lot more. And it's, and it's mutually, you know, beneficial too, because you're trying to get their athletes back to them as safely right, and as right, quickly right. as possible and making sure they're not getting in, God forbid, like a second impact syndrome situation where you see like kids die from that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you explain to them how you guys can kind of work together and how, Yes, they can, they're going to do some treatment in the clinic, but they might also be able to do some, you know, really, really modified conditioning pieces and things like right, that right, right. with the team in some cases and that kind of thing too. So, you know, you know, uh, I guess just one other thing to kind of talk about the assessment piece too is the, um, you know, the um, aerobic piece, right? The aerobic mm -hmm. um, capacity piece. So um, that article talked about using a bike or a treadmill test. Um, we use the Buffalo treadmill test here. Um, you can just a quick Google search. You can Google how to do that. Um, really, really simple, really easy, really get, get some clean data on that. Um, you'll need a, a treadmill um, and, a, and a Likert scale. Um, and that's essentially it. Um, and also, you know, you might want to check uh, heart rate as well too. So some kind of heart rate monitor, even a pulse ox will do for that. Um, but then really, I'd say those are the big three pieces that aerobic capacity, the cognitive vestibular, and that's going to give you information you're going to need to actually do some treatment. As far right, as right. Um, yeah. 
So, so, so here's you know, my next question. When it comes to like the treatment scenario, do you feel like, you know, one, you know, if you're only able to see somebody once or once a week, maybe twice a week in this kind of outpatient setting, you know, is that, do you find that that's, that's sufficient or is there a ton of stuff you need them to do at home or do you feel like you need to see them every day? So how, talk to me a little bit about how the treatment process goes for this stuff. Yeah. So um, in an ideal situation, this is definitely one where in the beginning you're going to see them as frequently as you and the patient can both afford and then start to taper down as they get more independent. And a lot of that depends on the severity too. Cause a lot of times, you know, again, if they are in a highly, highly congested, they have, they have a problem functioning, right? They have oh, a yeah. problem just getting into the clinic. They have to have somebody to drive them and that sort of thing. So right. um, a lot of times they need a lot of supervision, a lot of guidance and that kind of thing too. But so this one, it was a little bit, you know, conflicting, I guess, with, with some of, some of my interpretation I got in JOSBT. Um, one thing that was kind of beating our heads doing the training is that the, the current recommendations, and I say current, this is probably actually two years old now, was that in an ideal situation in, in a 24-hour period, you're going to have the patient do one hour of, an, of a hybrid of in, intense cognitive and vestibular therapy. We can kind of talk about what that looks like. And then you're going to have them rest. And the reason for that is because they've actually taken astrocytes, so brain cells, and they've mm -hmm. seen that you can actually overcook them. You can actually do too much. And then you cause permanent brain cell death. So it's a lot about finding a balance. But then with that, and this is also something to reinforce the article, is a lot of what you do treatment-wise is based off their irritability, right? If someone's having yeah. symptoms, you want to sort of kind of nudge into that. It's a lot like the pain science world, and then sort of back off a little bit. Um, that wasn't necessarily made as clear in the article. If it was, I didn't see it. Um, but that is one of the things that I do try to reinforce with patients. And then we talk about how they can you know, do that at home, just like any other exercise uh, yep. program as well, too. Yeah, no, I, I definitely that was interesting too. I remember you talk, talking about um, how you can overdo this, um, mm -hmm. and that, and that's something too. I think just from uh, the you know talking about from a daily life mod like modifications with that person to make sure that what they're doing outside of even the treatment stuff with you is also not helping them, uh, mm -hmm. leading to them overdoing it too. Because a, a lot of times it can just be too much. It can almost slow the process down a little bit mm -hmm. as well. So um, yeah, it definitely uh, it's such an interesting. Um, you know, area of study. And, and my biggest thing with this is the return to sport aspect too, because I, I appreciate that a lot of organizations such as, you know, professional or college sports and that kind of thing are trying to get a little bit better with this and trying to have third parties involved and, and trying to keep the decision of whether the person can you know, return to the sport kind of out of the hands of the person who maybe needs that person's talents uh, sooner rather than later. Um, but, you know, again, after reading through this and the complexity with it and the timeline stuff that, that's mentioned to it, it, it's amazing to me to, to compare that to what seems to be happening in practice with how quickly people are returning mm -hmm. um, in, in watching, even in the NFL. It's so-and-so so went into the concussion protocol, so-and-so clear concussion protocol, so-and-so is back on the field. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're looking at it and you're like, this is almost, it almost doesn't make sense, um, right. you know, based on what, you know, something like this document mm -hmm. says. So um, just want to get your thoughts on it, having treated, you know, you know, individuals, you know, coming back from a concussion from concussions. Um, do you feel like that process um, is really being rushed in a lot of cases? And, uh, or do you feel like, you know, some people really are, you know, able to get back to the field that fast? I, 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 both. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think absolutely most cases are probably being rushed and there, yes, depending on severity and probably depending on the mechanism too. Some people are able to get back a little bit faster as to what the protocol is. I think that's the big suspect thing. Right, so I don't right. think anybody knows what those protocols actually consist <laughs> yeah. of. Um, but you know, I get it, man. I empathize. 
put myself in those shoes in their shoes like that's how yeah. they're making a living right you yeah. know they're you know each game that they play that kind of thing i'd be doing whatever i could to get back on the field as fast as possible so i think that that probably makes it difficult for the provider for the healthcare provider because yeah. sometimes it's hard to tell someone who's having a lot of success no or to tell them that they're doing something wrong and i can imagine there's a lot of pressure when you're kind of getting those situations but yeah i mean if you're going to do the right thing for the person and for their their, their, their long-term health you know, we're trying to avoid a CTE situation, then yeah, I mean, you do need to be thorough with this and on, and oftentimes be patient and recognize that, you know, these concussions are severe enough, they can have symptoms for like an entire year. But yeah. the feasibility of that, it, you know, the feasibility of having someone do an hour of activity and the rest of it for 24 hours, it isn't very, isn't very realistic right. either, right? Think about student athletes, right? They also got to be students and athletes. And so, yep. you know, you're trying to find a balance and you're trying to, you know, meet each other halfway and sort of come up with a compromise because life is just not black and white. Yeah. No, I thought this was, uh, especially as a new clinician, this was a very informative uh, piece to come out to, um, especially as, as someone who's yet to treat a concussion as well. So um, it, it was definitely interesting. Uh, you know, I know uh, for me, the next time the one that comes in, especially if it ends up on your schedule, I'm going to try if I can see if I can uh, yeah. sit in on it as well, just to, to continue to refine some things too, because, uh, you know, like we mentioned, there's, there's, uh, you got to have a really comprehensive assessment in more than one area, vestibular mm -hmm. cognitive, uh, you know, aerobic, musculoskeletal, you're going through this entire thing. Um, so it, it's, it was definitely cool to, to go through this and, and, you know, see that such a, a pretty, a, you know, well-researched and pretty comprehensive piece to be put out in JOSVT. Yeah, for sure, man. And, and one thing that they, they, they didn't necessarily dive into a ton was the actual treatment itself, right. which I don't think they needed to because, right. Again, we talked about how these concussions are highly individual when you're assessing them and diagnosing them. Right. That means you don't want to have a cookie cutter approach right. to the treatment aspect. It's, exactly. As well. Yeah. Right. So you so you got some you know you got some guidelines, right? You know we know we're going to have to work on aerobic capacity. We know we're going to have to work on cognitive assessment, vestibular assessment. But then the way you can combine those is a little bit of an art, right? So right. you know one you know so example like kind of what it looks like in the clinic. You know you're you're going to do your conditioning a lot of times based off of you know, what their goals are, what prior level function is, that sort of thing too. So the way that you might, you know, work with an elderly person who probably just needs to walk is going to be way different than, you know, a football player who work who trains at a, or competes at a higher level and that kind of thing too. But um, when you're doing the, the hybrid approach, right, we talked about this hybrid cognitive vestibular assessment, you know, what that looks like, for example, is, you know, you are going to be doing things like you're, you're going to be quizzing them a lot, right? So, you know, whatever their interests are. You know, I know we recently had a person who was in the classical music world. So, you know, before sessions, we're looking up a bunch of trivia and stuff like that too. We're asking these questions in the beginning while he's doing really basic tasks, right? He might be doing some, you know, static, tan you know, tandem, semi-tandem, Romberg stuff. He might be, you know, walking across hurdles, things like that. But there is a huge difference when you add that dual task in, right? When you, when you do it with and without means, it's almost like it stops them in their track. Because again, brain's competing for resources. Um, things that you might do with, you know, everyone else is the, the Stroop test, right? Yep. The Stroop effect, if you remember that from like your psychology mm -hmm. oh, yeah. 101 effects, that's one where, um, if you're not, if you don't know what I'm talking about, didn't ring a bell, this is uh, where you have like the, the card or the piece of paper that has the, um, it has different uh, words that are colors, but the font of the color is different. So for example, like the one I got sitting in front of me is the word blue, but the font is in red. And then the word yellow, but the font is in green, so on and so forth. And you know, that creates some cognitive interference, makes the brain yep. compete for more resources, causes decreased reaction time. And then you combine that with head turns, right? Especially if you have that BPVV. And a lot of times you're doing this with a metronome too, because if you have them moving their head too fast, you know, faster than one cycle per second, you can actually cause second impact syndrome. So there is a bit of nuance within that too. Um, dependent, but again, the way, th what you would emphasize might be dependent on what the person, you know, 
what, what, how, how low they score on that assessment, that kind of thing, obviously individualized. Um, but then, you know, you'd obviously progress that as they get bigger, you know, you start, you know, if you, if you, if you, you can do this, Josh, I can't, but juggling, right. Juggling yeah. is supposed to be really, really good yeah. for smooth pursuits. Um, the Hico sticks, right. The hand yeah. coordination sticks, um, those things are cool, man. They're like, fun. Look, like yeah. and so you get creative with it and that's where PT becomes an art, but you're still following your guidelines. You're doing, you know, an intense bout of, uh, cognitive vestibular uh, hybrid therapy with some aerobic conditioning and um, man, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun just trying right. to be creative with it. And yeah. and, you, and you gotta, honestly, if you're gonna be good at this, you have to be a little bit of a creative clinician to do it right. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess my, the final question I had for you, um, and I love that that was, that was extensive and it painted a good picture um, is more of, you know, discharge and return to sport on or return to whatever it is, or just, just plain discharge. Um, and, and kind of the things that you are looking at, because most of the time, I'm assuming as PT, unless you're with a team or unless somebody has gone through an you know, initial baseline testing, you don't necessarily have a baseline when this person's getting to you in terms of their pre concussion state. So, right. so what, you know, when you're looking at, when you're working with that person, what kind of things are you looking for or where do they need to be or what do they need to improve on or, or kind of how are you determining when you think they're ready to be discharged or if you're in charge of their return to activity, what kind of things are you looking at in that instance? So yeah, it's uh, basically that, that comes back to retesting a lot yeah. of what you've assessed in the first place and looking for changes, looking for improvements. Now, you know, there, I could see some cases where, you know, maybe their baseline was actually low and maybe compared to their concussive state. So it might be harder to track changes, things like that too. But this is also just like any, any, any other injury as well too. You're trying to reintegrate them back into activity as quick as possible. Just like when someone comes in with a bum knee, we don't, we tell them, you know, we don't tell them don't train. We tell them, all right, let's, you know, modify the training, training. Yeah. squat to boxing like that too. So, you know, we try to plug them back into activities that are appropriate as quickly as possible. So right. maybe they're not back on the field hitting, but they might be doing some things in the weight room, working on some conditioning, things yeah. like that too, depending on where they're at. So, you know, you're also monitoring that as well as what you're monitoring in the clinic. And then when those two things start to match up as they're able to do more things, um, you know, maybe, maybe time's passed a bit and the, and the brain has actually healed, especially I did have a brain bleed that showed up and, you know, they're doing well in the testing that you're doing in the clinic, you know, then, you know, they're not having symptoms anymore. They're performing well, you know, they're kind of getting back to normal, you know, not feeling wiped out in the day, not having headaches, doing schoolwork, things like that too. Then that's where it becomes highly individual to the person um, as well too. So again, it's just test retest, honestly, when you come, when it comes down to it. And, but yeah, um, I would say it's not always super black and white. You know, I mm -hmm. think you have to at some point make a judgment call, but I would say, you know, when you can just err on the side of, of being patient, but also being realistic and working with that athlete and working with their coaches and with their team and, you know, doing something that's feasible because man, if you come right out of the gate and you tell them, Hey, you know what? I think you're going to need to sit out for the rest of the season. They're not going to come see you. No. You're going to, they're going to want somebody else. So, you know, you tell, I'm going to get you back as quickly as we can, and we're going to constantly be readjusting this thing and, 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 and reassessing. We'll get more realistic uh, guidelines as quick as we can. But, you know, my goal is to get you back as quickly as safely possible. Yeah. No, I think that's great, man. And, and you know, I think this is a, a cool opportunity to, to, to find and create and cultivate relationships with a lot of athletic trainers, mm -hmm. especially around the high school, in the high school world. I mean, they're with these these individuals every day and I know, mm -hmm. you know we're lucky enough to work with some high school athletes a lot of times we're coordinating from an orthopedic standpoint when they're you know if I have somebody that's a, a you know post-op labor repair and I'm working on some things where they're only with me once or twice a week but they're over with their athletic trainer every other day doing what I you know what we've collaborated on to determine for them I feel like this is another opportunity where we're not currently doing a lot of collaboration at least in the physical therapy world but we could be doing more and so uh, I'm hoping to you know going forward foster a little bit more of these relationships with like, like you mentioned with the sport coaches, but with the local athletic trainers as well. Yep. 
we just man, we got to get the country to open back up so we get the sports started again. So we, we can. Get, I know it's a little. So, it's so a little we can get the right concussions now. in. No, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean that, man. I was hacked. Yeah. That wasn't me. That's character piece. Oh man, but we do need to figure out some kind of sports, yeah. man. I'm getting hit. I'm yeah. dying a little bit every day without it, but. Uh, yeah, I know. They I had mean, uh, they had marbles on ESPN, man. Dude, they said it got like a million show. views. Yeah, yes. yes. Uh, dude, I've been I've been going back through and watching highlights, uh, and and I love the old streaming games. And yeah. today, today they're having the game six of the '75 World Series. Your big baseball guy, Reds and Red Sox, Carlton Fisk, home run where he's waving it fair. That's that game. Just remember, the Reds won the next dude. game, won the series, baby. Go Red Legs. <laughs> I don't want to uh, uh, deviate too much, but I guess I will. I got this theory. The, oh, the, man. The, uh, U- the UFC. The UFC is going to yeah. reopen America, right? So they're well, supposed I thought they just canceled the, no, yeah, no, yeah. Postponed it. Postponed, postponed it. it. Okay. All so right. they bought an island. It's called Fight Island, right? Which is awesome. <laughs> that that's what Dana White did. This is what's going to happen. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna pull that off, right? Yeah. And everybody's going to be fine. They're going to get tests. They're going to be safe. They're going to keep at-risk people, other people away. They're yeah. going to pull it off without a hitch. Then the other sports organizations say, wait. We, we want to do, do this too. Yeah. And then the surrounding economies, you know, you got to yeah. have, you got to have vendors, right? You got to have mm-hmm. all the other people around the area. You got to have people, um, you know, parking cars, stuff like that too. And then it's going to be a ripple effect from there. And that's, what's going to save the country. The Dana White. Dana White, man. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the sad thing too, though, today was the XFL looks like it's done for good. Man. And honestly, like I, they, I know they're cursing the start, but I actually was enjoying watching some football in the, like at this time of year. Like it was, it was something that was actually intriguing and there's some feel good stories on there. Yeah. Um, I'm Caroline just signed uh, Walker, that quarterback that was mm-hmm. in playing for Houston. And so, uh, you know, there's some, man, I, I enjoy watching football year round. So yeah. uh, that was a little sad too. XFL looks like they're shutting yep. down for good, man. Yeah, man. Coronavirus, another, another yeah. one there took down XFL, but uh, yeah. you well, know, fingers crossed, you know, we're, you know, this is supposed to be the big week, right? So hopefully, yeah. um, you know, hopefully fingers crossed we're on the, we're, we'll start trending in the direction that everybody wants to go in and before you know it we'll be back to somewhat of a hopefully uh, uh, a normal type environment although i have a feeling yeah. we'll be doing a lot of the things we're doing now treating masks and taking temperatures and having you know questionnaires and i have a feeling we'll be doing that for a, probably a good while yeah I, I like your outlook better man because i was thinking this could be our last episode they might not let people meet like this anymore i know i know i know <laughs> we might be you know completely be off might get uh, shut off down grid, might get shut down podcast yeah. shut down um, yeah. we got but we got to get the info to america that's right we that's gotta right get, we gotta america, get the info america out needs, there america needs america a better needs podcast, podcast. Yeah. um but anyway yeah we appreciate all uh you guys are for tuning in uh hopefully all of you are are staying safe out there um if you have questions about this topic or any other topic reach out to us like brian said send a dm to us uh, or send a message to us or something via email uh, we can get you the vertex version of that concussion protocol yeah well. and if you got your own protocol i'd love to bounce around ideas too and see what everybody else yeah is doing. no i think this is something too this is a topic that i feel like is still you know we we really don't know as much about the brain as we'd like to believe yeah. that we do so i feel like this is a topic that's just going to continue mm-hmm. evolving over time and so collaboration is going to be you know great for it. So you know yeah, we'd love to to get somebody else's thoughts on if they if you treat a lot of concussions out there, reach out to us and let's have a chat about it and and, and see if we can all learn from each other. But uh, again, we appreciate all you tuning in, and uh, we'll check y'all next time. And one last thing, if you liked the episode, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a five-star review. That way we can reach more people. And if you have any questions, a topic that you want us to cover, or maybe a person that you think we should interview, hit us up on Instagram at BetterFasterPodcast. You can also keep up with updates on our physical therapy and strength and conditioning businesses by giving us follows at VertexPT and at VertexStrength. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Monday.
This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.